In today's episode in the Tech Emergence podcast, we speak with Dr. Daniel Berlint at the University of Arkansas, particularly about the topic of automation and where is automation really going to make a difference in the job market in the coming 10 years ahead. Daniel's recently published a book called The Human Race to the Future, where he considers a lot of the various ramifications of artificial intelligence and robotics on the actual job market. Today, we hone in on his view of the next decade, uh, which to to a large extent involves autonomous vehicles, military applications of of uh, artificial intelligence, as well as conversational agents. And so without further ado, we'll delve directly into the episode. So Daniel, um, you presumably had to get a lot of research done for your book, The Human Race to the Future. I know uh, uh, your own formal background being in computer science, uh, having a lot of focus on sort of the automation and robotics side of things in terms of future technological considerations. Even before we talk about the future, just in the last 10 years, sort of where we've made leaps and bounds in terms of automation and robotics, where have you seen those biggest jumps that you think are of biggest consequence? Well, I think the big one is robotic weaponry. And, and that's a, a way of, of getting into the idea of drones and um, other types of intelligent uh, weaponry for war. The other area that I see uh, happening soon, and the, we've seen some of the um, some of the inroads of it already are the uh, uh, robotic automobiles or um, self-driving cars. Yep, yep, as they're called. Uh, auto uh, automobiles, because you know an automobile has the word auto because it, it automates a horse. Right? Yeah, so it's, it's very funny. So now we have auto automobiles; they, they run by themselves. Um, the other thing that I see happening in the next 10, 20 years is. Uh, robotic assistance to the elderly, because as the civilized world is becoming older, that is, the average age of you know the people uh, people in the world is getting older. Uh, they're going to be more and more old people. Uh, they're going to need help, and to the extent that we can help them live um, vigorous um, lives, uh, robotics is going to be a big part of that. Certainly, and, and maybe before we even get into um, before we get into per se the the future. Projections. I'm certainly interested in where you see sort of the furthest reaching extents of, of automation and and uh, and robotics today. It sounds like um, you see uh, the elder care as being a big part of the future. Um, what what uh, do you see precursors of that? In other words, you're seeing that in the future. If we talk about today. Um, are the precursors just the trends? In other words, hey, you know, by golly, we got a lot of these old folks, and uh, someone's going to have to take care of them. It sure does seem like the biggest opportunity. Or do you see a lot of traction in kind of business, maybe potentially, um, where where the beginnings of these technologies are are already happening? Well, industrial robotics is the precursor of a lot of this because those robots exist and are being used currently, and have been for some time actually. Um, the government is actually putting quite a bit of money into robotics research um, for uh, what they call um, cooperative robotics. And, um, you know, when robots, you know, you can't really work near an, a typical industrial robot without putting yourself in danger currently. So the idea is to have robo- robots that can work around and with people safely. And uh, as that, as that, you know, that uh, research direction goes forward, the natural, or one natural uh, application for that is is elder care robotics, but certainly not the only application. Really, the, the, uh, the, um, 
robots have become more and more able to work with people instead of putting them in danger. I was just reading uh, a few days ago that there was uh, someone that was you know, killed in an industrial setting by a robot that accidentally uh, you know, mistook him for a, a work object or something like that. And, and that's the sort of thing that we're trying to get away from. Yeah, and I think the the headline on that was uh, was something like the headline on that was something like "Robot Kills Man" or something, right? I mean, a little bit sensational. Yeah, but it wasn't that the robot. Didn't no, it wasn't. It was it was negligence with the use of the machine, is what it was, right? Right. In, at least in this particular case, and I'm sure there have been cases where maybe a the program of a robot literally, uh, you know, did sort of mess things up, and and and. Uh, and that maybe it was, quote-unquote, the robot, but I think there's other cases where it's just, you know, it's like saying a car killed someone when someone fell asleep at the wheel or something like that, you know? Yeah, um, well, a lot of these industrial robots are very uh, fast, powerful um, uh, machines, and they're, they're dangerous to be around. They sure are. Uh, and so, but, but of course, the, the goal is to make them sort of more gentle and congenial to interactions, regular interactions with human beings. Uh, you know, I've spoken with other folks in the automation and robotics space, uh, Daniel, who've had considerations around the current trends. And a lot of, you know, one of the fellows I interviewed recently is Martin Ford, um, who spoke of the, the, his belief that, at least today, in today's day and age, um, a lot of the bigger risk of being automated out of a job may, in fact, be uh, more repetitive white-collar work, you know, doing things with spreadsheets, doing relatively repetitive manipulations of data where software can take you out of your job. You know, somebody that picks apples... Or somebody that, um, you know, I mean, somebody, somebody that moves furniture in and out of somebody's house. I mean, you know, at the very end of the day, they may not need to have as much of a formal background as a guy who does some really fancy Excel doc stuff or uh, work with images or video files or whatever the case may be. Um, but because robots aren't quite as dexterous to replace, you know, robots aren't going to go put a new sofa in your house like tomorrow, um, the, uh, there's a large risk of automation today. In, in the domain of kind of the more repetitive uh, information manipulation white collar work, and that that may be where the bigger dangers lie in today's day and age. Do you happen to agree with that? Or, and, and if so, uh, or if so, or if not, why? Well, I, to some degree, I do agree with it because um, robots, sort of the thing that distinguishes robots from ordinary stationary computers is their ability to move around. And um, mobility is a, is a difficult technical problem to solve. Um, so I think that, you know, stationary computers are always going to have that advantage in terms of uh, ability to, uh, to influence our society in that they'll be able to do so sooner than the mobile robots because mobility function per se is, a, is, a, is such a tricky technical problem. Yep. So, all right, so what, are, what about, uh, I won't call them robots, then we'll just call them computers and, you know, intelligent computers and even not so intelligent computers uh, automating white collar types out of out of employment. Well, you know, one thing is, of course, software is getting more powerful all the time. So, you know, a lot of times that advances in software will make existing human, uh, you know, human workers more productive and more powerful. For sure. But um, the flip side of that is when they actually sort of improve the productivity to a degree that fewer of those folks need to be employed. Yeah, and that's, that's perfectly reasonable, right? I mean, it, it is what it is, right? Yeah. So, you know, from an economic standpoint, as computers make humans more and more productive, the economy 
the sort of productivity of society increases. So why is it that society is richer, yet people are being thrown out of work? The issue there is the distribution of the products of society. So it's not a matter of, of increasing automation, making society poorer. It's a matter of increasing productivity being, you know, it's a, it's a decision for, for society to make. Yeah. How is the productivity going to be distributed? If society is more productive, it could potentially make everyone wealthier. If it's sort of diverted in such a way that it's not distributed that way, then some people are going to be, you know, starving on the streets. And, and you know, when you say it's a decision for society to make, um, are you, do, you, do you refer to that in terms of policy? Or, yeah, or... yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the same old, you know, economic uh, uh, discussions and, and rhetoric you hear all the time in the media. How, how is the, uh, the, 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 the riches of society going to be distributed? And, you know, it's going to be distributed somehow, and that's the kind of discussion that you read about on the, on the news all the time. And, and you know, policy. you know, for sure. I mean, it's, it seems like the business's incentives are maybe pretty well leaning in the direction of shucks. You know, um, we can employ a hundred people in this department or forty people in this department and sort of have the same degree of productivity. You know, dag nabbit. You know, maybe maybe we uh, maybe we don't just go firing people, but maybe as we expand, we just don't uh, don't bring them on so quick. It seems like the incentives for business are 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 almost somewhat inevitably in that direction, uh, maybe not completely, but seems relatively inevitable, uh, and, and really it might be policy that would sort of duke it out with that. In other words, you know, you must employ X percent of people and, you know, sort of like uh, laws around, uh, you know, I mean, laws around, you know, like if, if the, a college has to admit a certain number of folks from particular racial groups, right? You know, so maybe in the future businesses will have to, even certain departments or categories of departments will have to have a certain percentage of human beings. It seems as though, and you might have another argument, it seems as though businesses are going to be pretty well motivated to maybe have more 24-7 working robots uh, or software programs than they would people, and it would really have to be the government that would uh, duke it out with them on that. Okay, well, I have to, first of all, there's, there's a couple of, of issues there. One is that it's perfectly natural for businesses to try to do, do more with less. Oh, of, co of course it is. Yeah, I've been, I've been that's, running, that's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't worked for anybody since I was an undergrad. All I do is run businesses. So uh, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see them as evil as all. I, I call that kind of like, you know, deal with it. You know, like, I don't know, like, that's how businesses are incentivized. It just, it, that's called yeah. life, you know? That's how it works. So, that's, that's how um, it works. Um. So the issue is what you know. What happens after the you know what happens in the larger uh, environment in which the business is apart, um, and that's where the government would have yeah. to decide what to do about all these people who aren't working. Well, here's here's one thing. You know, people have talked about, for example, uh, the the idea of a minimum minimum income, yeah, or, um, sort of guaranteed minimum income. In fact, Switzerland's going to vote, maybe perhaps in in 2016, on whether to actually do that as a national policy. Um, and economists actually for many decades uh, have, of all types of economists, have, have thought of that as a possible future scenario. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, if you just give the money to people, you're, you're going to reduce the productivity of society and potentially run to this problem of where, where people sort of get less and less uh, capable because they have, have to do less and less. Yep. But what you could do to enrich society is to give everyone that minimum income that they need to survive, but work to get it, 
okay, what kind of work? Well, if there's no work in an ordinary business, what kind of work can they do? You can ask them to or require them to pick their own work and, and be responsible and accountable for it. So then people get to do whatever they want, but they have to do something. So there's some so autonomy, but it, it sort of keeps, uh, keeps the social muscles of sort of labor, at least in some degree, flexed? Yeah, I mean, people could, people could work at whatever they want to work at, which people would love to do, many, many of them, but they would have to do something. And that way, society would continue to benefit from, from people's uh, work. You know, if everyone wanted to be a rock star, well, we might have a lot of rock stars, but, you know, society might be the richer for it. Um, currently, of course, uh, the society can only, can only support a certain number of rock stars, a lot fewer than the number of young people that want to do it. Same with sports. Yep. Um, and so maybe now this will transfer us into uh, um, the, the, the future considerations around uh, uh, automation and, and robotics. You know, you'd spoken a little bit to where you see some of the trends, and we've, we're just started getting into some of the future considerations. Let's say in the coming 10 years, you know, we'll limit it there for right now to kind of halt our prognostication to, uh, to that, that semblance of, of an extent. Um, where do you believe maybe in the next 10 years – automation might really hit the ground running. In other words, where, where in 10 years might the job market and the, the, the degree of automation and robotics sort of integrating therein uh, be visible the most, you know, be the most tangibly different than it is today in the coming 10? Where do you see sort of those trends in just the decade ahead? Not, not even talking about a century out, just, just the decade ahead. Okay, yeah, good question. Um, I think military applications will continue to increase. Um, Drones, drones are really not that intelligent right now, but they, they're very effective, and any intelligence we can add to them is going to make them more effective. Um, another area is um, automatic, uh, automatic cars, right? So um, that once that hits, and, and, and it may... It probably will to a significant degree within 10 years. Oh, really? Okay, I know, I know some people have differing, differing views on that. You think it is reasonable that 10 years out from now, a, a, a solid percentage of, of, what, of, what we've got, uh, of what we've got going on in terms of cars on the road may in fact be cars that are driving themselves, or at least maybe have some semblance of cruise control that they don't have now? Well, there's definitely, there's definitely an, an increase in the, in the uh, uh, autonomous capability of these cars, and there has been for decades. You know, uh, you know, years ago they didn't have anti-lock brakes. Now there's anti-lock brakes. Yep. Um, you know, now, now there's there's some cars that can self-park, and so this this sort of gradual increase in in uh, intelligence, so to speak, of the cars is going to keep increasing. Um, so there's definitely going to be you know cars are going to be more autonomous in ten years than they are now. Now my my hope, and I think it's certainly a, a reasonable possibility, is that Fully autonomous cars will be um, will be sort of commonplace within ten years. And we've already got the technology now, and the the technology is not doesn't have to be that expensive since the most expensive part is basically the hardware of the car. The rest is just software. Yep. Um, there's so much sort of release of human potential that would that would occur if you can you don't have to be behind the wheel for say an hour a day or 45 minutes a day or more than an hour, whatever it is to take to commute that it takes people to commute. Um, so that would, I mean, I think that would be a real benefit to society. Oh, I the agree. other thing is if the, you know, once the self-driving cars idea starts taking off, there's going to be, there's another sort of efficiency 
uh, effect that has on society, which is that it becomes less important to have your own car because you can maybe just hit a button and a car will show up within two minutes to your door. So why do you have to own your own car? Yeah. Um, you know, most people, car, most people's cars are in operation a fairly small percentage of the time. So this could really be a problem for the auto industry if, if people stop buying their own cars and just rely on you know these fleets of self-driving cars that will show up when you need them and take you where you want to be and uh, and you know you don't have to own your own car you don't have to you know, pay for it you, you don't have to have a you can convert your garage to something else um, so I think there's a lot of benefits to society that can uh, be expected once uh, and once self-driving cars really to take off, and I think that that has a, a reasonable chance of having within ten years. Got it. Okay, so self-driving cars. There's there's one semblance of automation. So clearly, again, massive economic consequences if, if that in fact does become the case. Um, other other domains where where you feel very strongly that that automation may in fact take hold. Um, you've heard of the Turing test. I have. You, okay, so well, there's a there's a yearly competition that that tech tests uh, these, these uh, chatbots to see how well they, they work and how close they are to passing the Turing test. And there's been progress on this year by year, and that progress is going to increase. So you know, I think it's within 10 years, it's certainly possible that we're going to have chatbots uh, on the web or things like customer service and, and who knows what else, which are fully automated. Uh, I think the technology may, may get to that point. Uh, at that point, when you can have, you know, chat uh, chat window conversations with with essentially a piece of software that works just as well as a human, um, that's gonna that's gonna I think have a lot of effects on employment in certain sectors. Got it. Okay, so that might be another more grand consequence. Um, and and maybe a little bit farther out, I know uh, the the. Um, in your, your book, the, the, the Human Race, the Future, uh, you, you don't necessarily limit your thoughts to 10 years. There are some maybe farther out consequences that, they, that might be uh, worth considering today in terms of the ultimate destination of automation and robotics. Where are we ultimately taking ourselves? What would life look like? What would our own responsibilities be? What are some of those considerations? I'm, I'm sort of of the belief that um, understanding the targets that we might be moving closer to uh, in terms of future scenarios can help us maybe sift through what might be a real sand trap of, of you know, life and fulfillment and human potential and, and what might be maybe a more liberating and, and uh, happier future. Um, what are some considerations that, that you have through, through your own research and, and expertise in computer science around where automation might take us and maybe should take us? Okay, well, one of the big ones is food production. Um, here in the United States, only a very small percentage of people actually produce food, okay? And, and of course, in many other countries, uh, it's, and historically, it's been one of the major uh, time sinks of human, human effort to produce food. Um, I think as soon as we get robots that can take care of plants and, and produce food uh, autonomously, that will really be a liberating, uh, a liberating moment for the human race. And I, I don't think it's, it's necessarily in the very, very distant future. Maybe 10 years is a little, little soon, but you know, maybe 20 years. Yep. Uh, and if we have robots that can just use the available land to produce food and nobody has to really do much to, to, to 
have you know to to let you know just other than just sit back and let them do it, um, then humans will no longer need to produce their own food. And I think that will be very liberating uh, for many countries, less so the United States or wealthy countries that are already sort of highly automated in terms of food production, but worldwide. So it really be a, a liberating moment for for all those poor countries where people are kind of subsistence farmers and, and so on. Yep. Uh, and that will release a lot of human potential to contribute to world, uh, you know, world progress from, from many other countries. So I think that might be a might be an interesting uh, and realistic thing that could happen in the future. Um, automatic food production. Then um, that that actually, I mean, that sounds. You know, I don't, I don't see a horrendous negative consequences there. I mean, unless there's some kind of hiccup in the system. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, maybe there's a subset of people that, that for them picking apples is sort of the most fulfilling, high, highest experience of, of humanity. But it seems kind of like, uh, you know, doing laundry or, or, you know, sewers or something, you know, where maybe it's not uh, necessarily the most exciting thing. And maybe automating food production is good. I, I agree. I think that's... I don't see really any significant negatives to that. So that seems like a reasonable uh, future scenario. Well, what, what are some other? I should, I should back up. There is a possible negative, which is the more food we produce, the more humans the Earth can support, and then the more environmental impact the human race will have. So, so I think we need to keep in mind uh, uh, environmental impacts. But that's there's, there's nothing uh, new about saying that. No, 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 not at all. Um, in, in terms of other other scenarios, you know, when we were off mic, and maybe we'll, we'll wrap up with this, you had mentioned um, a few potential scenarios in terms of maybe ex- what, what might be considered excessive automation to the degree to which um, we uh, may sort of make less of ourselves as people if we lean too much on machines. I think, you know, at least thus far, it's, it's probably reasonable to suppose, and I'll put this as a little bit of a preamble, that, you know, most of our grandparents who, who you know, our great great grandparents who you know we're we're not uh, we're, we're not using bedpans for the bathroom anymore. We're not you know having to rise raise horses. We're we're not having to, to chop or burn our own firewood. Um, they they might have thought, by golly, you, you know these guys. I had to walk both ways uphill. You know when I went to school, and, and we're just going to have a, a whole universe of people that sort of play video games all day and, and don't work and are super duper lazy. Um, and, and in fact, you know, I don't exactly know the numbers, but it seems to me as though folks work a bunch these days, and you know, maybe they're a little bit softer in terms of knowing how to wield an axe or or bridle a horse. Um, but 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 it seems like shucks, you know, we're still kind of making the most of ourselves. Um, is there a potential future where maybe we lean on, you know, because we have so many conveniences today, Daniel? I mean, you think about it, it's pretty crazy. You know, all the world's knowledge in our cell phone. You know, I mean, running hot water. You know. Food can get delivered to my house. I don't have to leave. Uh, kind of a decent setup. Can it go to the extent, maybe, that that we really do become sort of uh, sloppy, lazy entities that really can't make the most of our potential? How might that occur, and are there risks there? Well, I think there's definitely a risk there, and I'll let me sort of start out with one scenario. So let's supposing robots can produce food automatically to support the entire human race. Um, and, and that's a success. Well, then, there really, you know, there's not that much you need besides food to survive. And we could conceivably just become uh, a well-fed race of people who don't do very much. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's certainly, it's certainly a possibility, you know, a possibility we need to think about. Um, the, the, I think, more generally, if, if we sort of 
reach a point where there's enough automation that society is producing enough to support society in the way we'd like to be supported without us having to work very much, I'd like to go back and, and um, say something I, I mentioned before, which is that giving everyone an income but requiring them to work, however, let them define their own work would be a way to make society uh, operate in a, at a pretty high level in a way that would sort of be fulfilling to, to, uh, to most members of society. Got it. So, so yeah, so I'll just, I, maybe I can close with that and just say that uh, everyone should work, but people should work at exactly the kinds of things that they like to do and do best. Yeah, and, and maybe, you know, this is a little bit of what Kurzweil refers to, right, in, in terms of his more optimistic, and I guess when you work at Google, you sort of have to be optimistic about technology, e even if you weren't. Um, but, uh, but, you know, his, and I believe it's his genuine uh, conception because he's articulated this pre-Google, and I, I think it's really how, how he believes, and, and, and to some degree, I give it a lot of credence. The idea that in a, in a world where, you know, we don't really have to have as many dishwashers and garbage taker-outers and, and apple pickers, uh, and, and maybe even, you know, software developers, uh, maybe folks will... Uh, do what they do now with leisure, which is unlock different aspects of their potential and explore what it is to be creative and to be productive and to be human in their own way. And, and maybe, and I, I think this is, we're kind of crossing our fingers a little bit here, but, but maybe we'll, we'll come to focus a bit more on what genuinely fulfillment actually is. Um, and I think that maybe that would be among the better futures in terms of an automated uh, world there. Well, I agree, and I think that automation uh, can has has the potential to do that. In fact, I, I hope it happens. Yes, I, I think if well, if, you know, if it's a, I, I know the the colloquial, very silly and uh, and sort of, uh, uh, you know, I, I see as borderline ridiculous. Uh, opposite is the Skynet deal, but you know, if, among all the potential futures of robotics and automation, really stepping up to the extent where we're not working, that seems to be among the better uh, situations that we would find ourselves in. So I'll uh, I'll cross my fingers until we get there, Daniel. Hopefully, we have more than ten years to do so. For anybody tuned in, uh, Daniel is again the author of the race, to the, uh, the the human race to the future. Uh, Daniel, thank you again so much for being here on the Tech Emergence podcast today. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode on the Tech Emergence Podcast. Thanks for being here. And remember to subscribe on iTunes to stay on top of the latest news breaks, researcher perspectives, and entrepreneur interviews in artificial intelligence, neurotechnology, and more. And we want to hear from you as well. So be sure to leave a review on iTunes, which are always appreciated, or contact us directly at info at techemergence.com. And remember, all of our entrepreneur interviews and interviews with top researchers from around the world, from Stanford to Oxford and beyond, can be found right on our main site at techemergence.com. Remember to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. So with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Figella signing off, and I'll see you next week.